This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Nuni Panel from Wall Street Journal with his recent move to cover the India startup and technology ecosystem. We examine the recent funding challenges for Indian unicorns and the onslaught from China and US companies entering the huge India open market. Hi, Nuni. Hi, Bernard. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How about you? I'm well, and I understand you are now living in India. Yeah, that's right. About a month and a half ago, yeah, I moved from Singapore, where I had been for two and a half years with the journal, to New Delhi, where I am now. And it's really been an exciting time so far, getting settled nicely. And India is a very exciting place, so I'm really enjoying it so far. Yes, and I'm talking to Newly Panel, reporter from Wall Street Journal, now covering India. And of course, you have been a great guest in our last show talking about what is happening to Facebook in India and some of the interesting trends in Southeast Asia. But today, we're going to center a little bit back to where you are now, which is India. So since we last spoke, what have you been up to? Well, a lot of logistics stuff, to be honest, getting going here with life in India. The move went fine, found a new place, and getting used to just all of the more complicated elements of life in Delhi compared to Singapore, such as dealing with traffic and uh, times of days you can and can't go places, and mostly just learning how to negotiate a city of like 20, 25 million people, which coming from Singapore, which is 5 million people, is a a little bit daunting. But uh, of course, I was in Bangkok before that and been in Southeast Asia for a long time, but mostly getting used to life here and talking to people. That's always a big element when I'm trying to get up to speed in a new a new place with a new list of companies I'm covering and, and sectors. So talking to as many people as I can and just keeping my eyes open and trying to learn as much as I can as quickly as I can. So actually within India, where you are, which is Delhi, so do you actually go to Gagoin or which province do you stay to get around? And how do you get around actually? Yeah, our office is in kind of central New Delhi in Connaught Place. And yeah, I do go out to Gurgaon a lot. And then, uh, you know, the startups and, and other tech companies are, 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 many are there. Some are in other places uh, like Noida, just outside of Delhi. So, but then people are often kind of traveling around the city. So sometimes I will go out and meet at offices or just meet them, in, you know, in cafes or restaurants in, in more central parts of Delhi. On previous trips, I've traveled down to Bangalore, which is, of course, uh, a, a tech hub. And, and I'm sure I'll be going down there in the future as well. Been getting around mostly by car. There's a metro system here, which some people use, and I may start to use it once I kind of can figure out things a little bit better, but mostly car. Yeah, so car mostly. So by car, do you use Ola or Uber? I use I use them both. I <laughs> My observation so far is that Ola has more available options and maybe perhaps cars and drivers on the network. But I think that's maybe because they tap into other third-party taxi systems. And they also have other things like auto rickshaws and buses and that sort of thing. And I use them both, really. Actually, kind of depends on the time of day and where I am. But I've been trying to use them both as as much as I can. So it seems that it's pretty interesting with Ola giving you more transportation options and actually Uber giving you pretty limited options. So, But I want to get back to the conversation today is because I wanted to talk to you about the India startup ecosystem. As you have been covering the India startup ecosystem and the Western companies in India, what are the interesting observations and trends you have seen in India so far? Well, I think first of all, I've been struck by really how much interest there is in startups here. There's a clear sense from talking to people that 
you know, these startups are doing interesting things, that they've raised a lot of money. There's a lot of interest in the startup founders themselves. They're almost real, really known for their personalities. They're almost like kind of you know rock stars in a way in India. Their pictures are in the media a lot. There's a lot of discussion about you know how big some of the biggest startups like Flipkart and Snapdeal, big e-commerce companies and Paytm, mobile payments and e-commerce, how much money they've raised, how they're doing. And there's a lot of speculation about what their next moves are going to be. How is Amazon going to challenge them? And just a sense that there's really this gold rush going on now and that there's you know a lot of they're they're growing very quickly raising a lot of money and a lot of uh, speculation on how they're doing really and you know it's part of the broader idea is that prime minister modi his government says that they really want startups to flourish here and create jobs and make things in india he's very socially media savvy himself so there's definitely a sense that it's an exciting time to be here and that there's a lot of interest in in these big startups and there is also this trend where, for example, companies like Apple and Xiaomi are actually allying with their contract manufacturer partner Foxconn to actually manufacture phones in India. Mm-hmm. Is that actually getting on the ground as well? You know, I haven't looked too closely into that issue. Um, I know that there's been, I've heard people say that it's difficult for them to do that, and I'm not too sure of, of who exactly is making what here. But certainly, it's a huge market for all smartphone makers. You know, there are some really successful local players like Micromax that make smartphones here. And so it's a huge untapped market. And so, you know, there's definitely a, a lot of interest in, in manufacturing stuff here and, and tapping future growth in India. So one interesting thing I wanted to know is that it, since last year, there is actually a freeze in terms of fundraising on the late stage level. Have you seen the same slowdown happening in India for early stage and late stage startups now? Yeah, I think it's been pretty pronounced. There's definitely, you hear people talking about a more difficult climate. You have even the more established startups talking about really trying to improve their unit economics and become profitable as soon as possible, which when you think about what the conditions might be if they were in other countries, like in the US, you would want to keep growing as long as you can to then maybe look to be profitable later. So given that some of these are, are still somewhat young, it's interesting to see them start to talk about not trying to burn through money, but really trying to be more disciplined and try to get profitable as quickly as you can. And I think that's related to the fact that there's less money available and maybe more skepticism about just how big and profitable market India could be. I mean, as I was looking at some of the data from CB Insights and various other websites, I mean, the US venture capital firms and even Chinese and Japan venture firms are actually now all in India. Do you see a very mad rush of all these different countries actually coming into this open market and have a big competition happening? Yeah, very much. And in fact, I think that some of the slowdown might be just reflect the fact that there had been so much earlier. And so now people are starting to have a reality check and think maybe is the market getting overheated. But yeah, certainly, you know, there's this notion that India is where China was 10 years ago before broadband internet access started to proliferate and incomes rose because the economy was growing and you had the birth of these huge companies like Alibaba. So there's this idea that's going to happen in India. So lots of people plowed money into here. And I think that now there's maybe a a bit of a worry that it's not going to happen for various reasons here. So there's maybe more skepticism. Newly, thanks for talking a little bit about the startup ecosystem. One thing I'm very curious to know. So recently, Apple has launched its new iPhone 7. And from what you have been covering India so far, the average selling price for iPhone in India is going to be more expensive and not cheaper in India. 
Why is that? And what kind of challenges Apple will have in India? Yeah, that's right. So, well, first of all, it's an extremely price sensitive market. So Apple is always going to have some challenges selling phones that are, you know, six hundred and fifty, or I should say, eight hundred to thousand dollars. They have some older models that are available here for a bit less, but. You know, obviously, as a premium smartphone maker, they will always have trouble selling those kinds of phones in India, just because there are fewer people who can afford them. But yeah, in the case of the seven, so it looks like it might cost about two hundred and fifty U.S. dollars more in India than it will in the U.S. Now, the U.S. price doesn't include state taxes, so that pushes it up a bit. The India price does include taxes, but they also have to build in some wiggle room in there for fluctuations in the rupee, and then there are distribution costs as well. So. So it's challenging. It would always be challenging to sell any of their phones here, but that's an added one. But they're very keen. You might have seen a couple of months ago, Tim Cook came to India and did a big PR push. He went to a, he met with Bollywood stars. He went to a cricket match. He met with Prime Minister Modi. They announced that they're going to open up a couple of development centers here. So they're really keen to crack the market. But it's very challenging to sell expensive phones when most people pay less than $150 for their phone, and still many people still have feature phones. So, but the top one percent of the income level in India are they actually getting iPhones, or is actually a mix between Android and iPhones? Then, I mean, the Apple's market is always on the high end side, anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you definitely see iPhones. Some people certainly have them. And there's a huge distinction in India between upper, upper middle class and richer people in the big cities like Delhi and Mumbai and the smaller, what they call tier two, two, three cities. But it's a mix. And I think that, you know, many people of all income levels aren't really that sure about what Apple provides. And I think that there's just less awareness. One of the reasons that analysts have said that they would, Apple would like to open their own retail shop here is that it's a, it offers a branding experience. People can go in who aren't familiar with the brand. And even if they're not going to buy one, they can at least see what they're like. They can touch them, they can feel them, they can talk to people about them. So I think that there's less awareness of the brand here than in other places, for sure. What are the kinds of challenges that Apple would have in India then? I think that apart from price, I think that there's maybe less of a an awareness of the iOS or the Apple ecosystem. I remember talking to some university students about some of the, asking them if they would buy here in Delhi, if they would buy some of the lower cost iPhones. And you know, they said, ah, I have to buy, yeah, I don't really know about, you know, Apple Music or iTunes. I know of ways I can get MP3s onto my Android devices. Everything seems very expensive, basically, is what they said on an iPhone. I think that that's one thing. And, but I think the biggest issue is price and the fact that there are so many challengers out there, like these some Indian brands like Micromax or Xiaomi or OnePlus is, is very popular in India. The value proposition of paying more for an Apple device, I think people don't really understand why they would do that. So I want to talk a little bit about the e-commerce side. What kinds of trends are you seeing? What is the progress of SnapDeal and Flipkart against Amazon? Well, you know, Flipkart and SnapDeal have been here for a long time. Amazon has been here in various forms over the years, but they have really, Amazon has really come on and become much more successful in the last couple of years. Flipkart and SnapDeal are, are definitely have a huge amount of brand awareness as homegrown sort of champions. People know them. They both, you see tons of advertising in newspapers, TV, billboards for them, increasingly for Amazon as well. And they are, I think for many Indian consumers, kind of top of the mind when it comes to e-commerce. But 
According to lots of figures, Amazon really has been gaining quickly, gaining market share, just selling a ton of goods online. And so there's a lot of speculation in the media. You hear people talking about Flipkart and Stamp view. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's there's definitely an awareness of Amazon coming in and questions about how Flipkart and Snapdeal might fare against the huge US competitor. I mean, I've read a lot of rumors about merger of Flipkart and Snapdeal. My question is, how do they differentiate against each other before they take on Amazon? That's a good question. I think they both strive to offer a huge number of products. They want to constantly offer products at the lowest prices, which you can which you, you can imagine. Amazon, though, has come in and has also, I, I believe, according to some figures I've seen, does offer, Amazon does offer more products now than, than each of them. How they differentiate themselves is a little un- unclear to me, but they definitely offer specials. We're coming up now onto the holiday season when there will be enormous um, discounts for um, the upcoming series of holidays. So constantly trying to attract new users with some of these sales. Very much the sense that they're you know really tr- trying to do whatever they can to get as many customers as they can. Does it mean that there is actually possibility for a Flipkart and a Snapdeal merger then? That's a good question. I, I don't know. I, certainly something that people are talking about. We did do a story recently about how Alibaba is increasingly interested in, in India, and there has been questions about you know what they might do, uh, whether they would launch their own consumer e-commerce offering. They have said that they have investments in India and in companies like Paytm and, and Snapdeal, and that they're you know sort of content with that at the time for the time but yeah there's essentially lots of rumors at this point but not much not much substance to it as far as i can tell for snapdeal and flipkart one of the central issues for them which what i understand and also reading a couple of stories about some of their struggling woes in order to scale themselves also partially because india is a startup ecosystem that just gone up unlike silicon valley which has the capability to blitz scale and i think china also have the same capability now do you foresee that they will be crushed by some company like amazon because it's an open market it doesn't have a lot of protection like the way the chinese market has right right for india yeah, I think it's very difficult here in, in for certain reasons that China didn't prove as difficult for companies like Alibaba where the infrastructure is better. It's, you know, you it, it's really tempting to look at the size of India, 1.3 billion people and think these are all immediate uh, addressable market, but it's not. You know, incomes are so low here that few people even if they A had a smartphone and B used data, which is a surprising number of people who have smartphones don't do, even if they had those two things, it doesn't mean that they're instantly going to become online shoppers. So that's one thing. Credit card penetration is extremely low. So e-commerce companies, including Amazon, Flipkart, Snapdeal, have allowed people to pay cash on delivery. So the item comes, you pay for it right then. That's to not only because people don't have credit cards, because they worry about online fraud. So they only want to pay for the good when they actually receive it. Mobile connections are slow compared to many countries. So browsing these sites can be more difficult on smartphones. Uh, so there are many challenges. Not It's not like you just sort of set up shop and then the orders start coming in. It's a much different kind of scenario than, than China. Which comes to another interesting area, which is the on-demand transportation. So I guess you have been covering Uber giving up China and Ola Caps recently actually laying off their stuff. I think you wrote a story on that. How does the on-demand ride-sharing market will look from your eyes now? 
Yeah, it's quite interesting. You know, after um, the Uber DD deal and Uber turning away from China, they were very clear in saying that Southeast Asia and India in particular are going to be focus areas where they want to increasingly focus. So, of course, they had presence here. They say we were already focusing on it, but now because they're not bogged down in costly uh, war for users in China, Uber says we're really keen to to do as much as we can to win in India. So they say that they're reassigning some developers in the U.S. who are working on China who will now work on India. They want to revamp their map offering, enhance their maps offering in India. And of course, in, in Southeast Asia, they're, they're battling Grab. But I believe that India is their second biggest market in terms of rides outside of the U.S. for Uber. So it's really, really an important one for them. Again, also difficult. There are, you know, a large number of passengers, but I think that it's probably a challenge for both of them to get as many riders as they can and to maintain quality. But definitely, it's a it's a huge market for them. And my own just anecdotal experience is that there are many cars and taxis and auto rickshaws and other buses and that sort of thing available on Ola, the homegrown Uber competitor. In any given time, at least here in Delhi, it seems like there are more cars on on Ola. Kind of depends on the time of the day. And I've used both services. So it's interesting to kind of see how that all shapes up. So it's interesting that the Uber and Ola competition is getting much more intense. I think you have recently also covered a company called Zoomcar, which is a car rental company that just got $24 million from Ford. Why did Zoomcar manage to capture the interest of car companies in India? Yeah, that's an interesting one. So they are similar to Zipcar in the US. And it's interesting to note that for economic and societal issues, what they call hired car market or just simply rental car market is somewhat new to India because most people here who can afford to buy a car will either buy it and simply drive themselves or they will have a driver. So it's a new offering to say, here is a platform where you can book a car for an hour or a day or a week or whatever and take a trip or just use it to get around town. They're an interesting company. Ford, also their investment is interesting because I I believe it's the first investment by this new unit they set up called Ford Mobility where they're looking at different kinds of technological solutions in the same way that other car companies have been investing in the future of driving, you might say, with you know self-driving cars or that sort of thing. So it's a definitely an interesting one. And you see Zoom car cars around a lot. I don't have a good grasp on how popular it's been. They say that they're expanding really rapidly, but uh, an interesting one to watch for sure. Is this similar to Lyft in the US? No. So it's, it's entirely a, a car rental platform. So if I want to, the weekend comes around and I want to drive out of town, I can rent a car for the weekend and drive myself. They also have more recently added a driver option, I believe, but it's it's primarily began as a car rental platform. Since talking to you, we talk about Apple, we talk about e-commerce, and we talk about on-demand transportation. China has the BAT, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, Nexus. Do you see India building its own version or has to continue subject itself to the entrance of the Western players from Google, Facebook, Apple, Uber, and Amazon? Yeah, that's a great question and one I'm really interested in. And so far, my impression is that, no, there won't be any of that sort of dominance of those homegrown firms like you've seen in China. Uh, Facebook, extremely popular here. It's Facebook's second biggest market in terms of users after the U.S. WhatsApp is extremely popular here. Google and Android are dominant. It's it's almost a case of, I, I wonder if there will be homegrown Indian internet companies 
that can develop and maintain a significant foothold. You have Paytm, which of course is Indian, and they're doing really well in online payments space. But no, I think that it's very much open and so far sort of dominated by U.S. firms. A couple weeks ago, there is one notable exception in the messaging space, which is Hike. Just raised some money. They are a popular messaging app, but still, according to most accounts, nowhere near as popular as uh, WhatsApp or, or Facebook Messenger. From your observation now, the ecosystem is only starting to grow and you're going to see a lot more intense competition between the local companies and the multinationals coming from the West. Yeah, and I think that there's part of what I think that the flap over Facebook's internet.org, now called Free Basics, where they were accused of violating net neutrality here in India, and there was this huge backlash against that platform. I think part of that reflected this nervousness about the fact that, as we've seen in other countries, you know, you have these really extremely dominant U.S. companies that are, you know, attracting huge audiences and generating lots of ad revenue. But what? But the you know, people say, what are they actually contributing to to India's economy? And there's this nervousness about a foreign company coming in and being able to dictate who's available on this new platform, how are those people picked, and the sense is it just a cynical ploy to to hook new users from afar. And I, I think this is actually interesting because India is an open market and also China's BAT also have been global ambitions. Do you see Chinese companies actually stepping in into the same arena as well? I think so far it's been more strategic, you know, stakes in Indian companies. You don't really see people here in India, you know, using many of those Chinese internet offerings. I think at this point, they're eyeing it with investments. And then, of course, Alibaba has been quite active in investing in Indian startups. So they may be, you know, sort of deciding we don't need to sort of launch our own services per se, but we'll we'll, we'll try to back people we think are going to win in India, Indian companies that are going to win here. So I, I guess the whole startup ecosystem and the how the Western companies are going to be in India is going to be a continuing stories to watch. So newly, tell my audience, how do they find you? They can find my stories in the Wall Street Journal. You can find all of our tech coverage at uh, wsjd.com. I'm on Twitter at Newly, N-E-W-L-E-Y. My website is newly.com, N-E-W-L-E-Y.com. And I'm also on Facebook uh, slash Newly. You can follow my, my updates there. Cool. You can find me at bleongcwibernardleong.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E, Asia. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and Google Play. And of course, drop me a tweet, drop me feedback. In fact, I've been getting a lot more emails from listeners these days. So uh, keep it going. And also, if you have any recommendations, just drop me a note. So once again, Newly, thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure, Bernard. Thanks for having me.